happy day to you. Welcome to the show. You're on live with Get Up With God, and it's a beautiful morning to start our day reading the Word. Get a Bible out, get a notepad out, and we're going to start today by reading and studying on what it means to give your life for Christ. I'm glad to have you back on the show with me, and I'm glad, I'm sure you're glad to have me back on the show, but I'm so thankful that you're here with me this morning. Uh, Let's get started by praying. We'll get our day started in the Word and uh, kick off this week having a great, great opportunity to serve our King by studying His Word. This is an awesome opportunity for you to begin your day by showing God that He's the most important thing to you. You know, you could start your day doing a lot of different things, exercising. You can start your day doing a lot of different, uh, in a a lot of different areas of your life. Um, Maybe meditating on the things of God, exercising your body to show the Lord that you're uh, taking care of the temple that he gave you or whatever the case is. But reading the word is one of the ways that you can show God that you prioritize his things. So let's pray. And then we're going to get into the Bible this morning. Lord, we thank you for this morning. We lift you up. We ask that you'd help us. We would ask that you'd lead us and guide us in everything that we do. Lord, we thank you for this morning. We thank you, Lord, that you have given us this day. This is our opportunity to serve you. This is another day that you've given us. We're going to be thankful. We're going to rejoice in it. We're not giving ourselves a choice. We're not giving ourselves any different feelings about what today is or what yesterday held. But Lord, we're thankful that you've given us another day. Your mercies are renewed today. You have great new mercy for us as as every day passes. There's new joy in the morning as we wake up and we celebrate this new day. But we ask, Father, today that you'd be with us. We ask boldly in faith that your word would come to pass in our life. We ask, Father, that you would help in every area that we put our hand to things, anything that we put our hand to, that you'd begin to help, show us, lead us, and guide us. Protect us today wherever we go. I speak over every listener under the sound of my voice, that they'd be helped today, strengthened, empowered, and equipped for what this day holds. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Well, it's great to see you this morning. Thank you for joining. As always, be sure to subscribe on my YouTube channel if you have not. It's always important to do that so that you can be notified and you can be up to date on what's going on on the channel, as well as subscribe to the email if you can on my website. There's a place that you can subscribe at dylanmaverick.com. You can go there, put your email in, And you'll begin to receive updates when the show is starting, as well as weekly updates. I'll begin sending out weekly recaps of what the week holds and what we went over this week. It'll also go over daily devotionals that you'll get on the daily, which will encourage you, motivate you, help you stay in the word, help you stay encouraged in the word. But I encourage you now to go over to the website, dylanmaverick.com. If you need the spelling, you can look on my YouTube channel. and uh, it'll be able to, you'll be able to subscribe right on that website. Thank you so much. So let's get into this this morning. I want to talk to you about giving your life for Christ. If you have a Bible, you can open with me in just a moment. But I want to introduce this, and then we'll go into a few scriptures. But I've got six points for you. I'm going to make this easy for you as we study this morning. Six points to go over about what it means to give your life for Christ. Number one. Number one, many people are willing to accept, and you can write this down abbreviated in the in parts of this mean uh, parts of this point. But at the end of it, I've got a question uh, that will help you, prompt you for studying. Many are willing to accept the free gift of salvation, but are you willing to pay any price to keep that gift of salvation? The Bible declares to us many times. So, point number one that you could write down is are you there there the free gift of salvation is made available to many people but are you willing to keep that 
Are you willing to do what it takes to keep the free gift that was given to you? You know, it's easy enough to think that God has given us this free gift and there's no effort or no work that's needed on our behalf because it's a free gift. Well, gifts can be, um, you know, gifts once they're given, a gift, it could be destroyed, it could be trampled on, it could be uh, devalued, so to speak, where you don't think very highly of it. But the gift of God, the gift of salvation, eternity, is freely given to us. But the Bible goes on to clearly explain that there's some things involved with your and my life that has to do with that salvation, the opportunity to keep it, and giving of our life once the gift has been given to us. There's some effort that's required of us, uh, not talking about once saved, always saved. I'm talking about once the free gift of salvation is given to you, there's a cost involved with you committing your life to Christ. There's a serious commitment that's involved in that. A lot of people, I think diminish the value or diminish the idea that there's something that's worth you giving once Christ gives you something, that there's nothing you can give to recompense. There's nothing that you can do that's worth giving because Christ gave it all. Well, he asks for something from you and from me. He asks for our life commitment. Turn with me into the book of Romans chapter 5 and 15. There is a free gift. We're going to go into some scripture to show you some free gifts that were given to us. Number one, Romans 5 and 15 And we're also going to go into Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2 and Romans 5. So let me go back here. I was going the wrong direction. Acts, Romans. Romans chapter 5 and 15. says this, But the free gift is not like the offense. for For if by the one man's offense many died, much more than the grace of God, the gift by grace of one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to many. And the gift, I want you to underline as we go through this, every time it says free gift or the gift, because you can't do anything to receive a gift, it's given. That's what the word gift is from, is it's given to you. So again, starting in verse 15, you can underline that, but the free gift is not like the offense. What's the offense? The offense that Adam did. Adam uh, sinned at the beginning. You go back to read in Genesis chapter 3 where Adam and Eve sinned under the sight of God and they were deceived in the Garden of Eden. This deception that they received that they had in the Garden of Eden simply was because they did not do what was instructed of them. They were not being, they were deceived in the Garden because the enemy twisted the words of God. They, they were twisted, but they were the words of God. They were just twisted words of God. So they were deceived, they were confused, and well, Eve was deceived, Adam sinned directly, rebelled against God, and now that was not the free gift that was given to us of sin, that, was, that, that wasn't like a, a, an award to us, that was placed on us. We were born into the curse that they had released in the earth, but the free gift is not like the offense, for if by one man's offense many died, much more the grace of, uh, the grace of God and the gift of By the grace of one man, Jesus Christ abounded to many. And the gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned. For the judgment which came from the one offense resulted in condemnation, but the free gift which came from many offenses resulted in justification. For if by one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in the life through the one, in life through the one Jesus Christ. Therefore, as through 
as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation. Even so, through one man's righteous act, the free, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. For as by one man's disobe- disobedience, many were made sinners, so also by one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. So there's one thing you got to understand about this. The key word here is that the gift, the free gift that was given by Jesus was not your ability to be, to, uh, be, be made righteous without, uh, let me start over with this. The free gift given by Jesus was made to make you righteous, was given to make you righteous, to pull you out of where you were born into the curse to pull you out of sin, to pull you out of what life you used to be, who you used to be. That free gift was given to you. There's nothing you can do to make what the free gift of Jesus Christ's work on the cross did for you. you there's nothing you can do to make to, to gain that, to earn that, because you already missed what ability you could have possessed to have that righteousness. You've already missed it. You've already messed up. You've already sinned. You've already be the Bible says in Romans that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We've missed it in some capacity or another. The, the, the return or the reinvestment of sin is death. The Bible says that the only return from sin is death. But this gift that Jesus gave is a free gift available to you and me that pulls us out of the wrongdoing, makes us right again. So there's nothing you can do to be made right other than receiving the gift that Jesus gave. There's nothing you can do. You can't live right enough. You can't act right enough to make yourself righteous enough to make yourself righteous enough as the gift of Jesus's work on the cross does for you. There's nothing you can do. So, so what am I saying? Dylan, are you saying the only ability to be made right before God is through Jesus. There's no other uh, way to do that. That's right. There is no other way on planet earth or above planet earth or anywhere in the solar system or any heaven or any universe. There is nothing that can be done to make you right before God or make you acceptable to God than what Jesus has done. There's no other way. The only way is through the work that Jesus did. And so now the question is, what else can be done? Even in Ephesians 2, turn with me very quickly there to Ephesians chapter 2. Still, we're in point number one of six points. I'm going to give you six points at 6 a.m. How's that? That's going to bless you this morning. Ephesians chapter 2, very quickly, in verse 8, says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, that not of yourselves, but it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. We're work, it goes on to say we are the workmanship of God. So there's nothing you could do to make yourself as right as the work that Jesus does for you. There's nothing you can do. But now Jesus goes on. Now I want to give you point number two. The free gift of salvation. This is the verses we went into Ephesians chapter 2 verses 8. And Romans 5.15. And I believe we read through almost through... Uh, the whole chapter five towards the end of it, but Romans chapter five through verse 19. So 15 through 19, Romans five, 15 through 19, the free gift of salvation brings righteousness to you. That's point number two. 
the free gift of salvation brings righteousness to you. Or, or you could say it is it makes you righteous. What's righteousness? What does that mean? It means you have right standing. That's all righteousness means. You've been made right before God. You have right, the right standing before God. That's what you've been made before God. He sees you now through a, a changed lens, which is Jesus Christ. And he looks through Jesus Christ at you. You're not your, you're not qualified to stand before God on your own ability. God, uh, sent Jesus to make you qualified. He becomes the, the, uh, the propitiation for what you messed up so that you can stand right before God. Isn't that beautiful? What Jesus did for us. Now I want to give you point number three, but what is that now? What is it going to cost you to stay within the confines of the work that Jesus has made? Because listen, now you're not made, you've not reached perfection yet just because you've been made right. You've not reached perfection because you've been made right. So number three, you haven't reached the ultimate level of perfection yet. How do we know that? Because in Ephesians, I don't want to turn there for time's sake. Ephesians, uh, Paul talks about that there's gifts given to the church, which the church is the saved ones already. We've been made right. So now uh, let's follow a progression of this. You've been made right before God. He's made you righteous. You stand before God. Now, as you're standing before God, there's a perfecting that needs to occur inside of you and me. And the Bible says that God has sent to the church, Jesus being the head of the church, he's given gifts to the church, the fivefold ministry gifts, pastors, evangelists, teachers, prophets, apostles have been given to the church to establish, he said, and perfect making us like Christ making, turning us into Christ-like beings. That's what a Christian is. Christian, Christ, I, I N, Christ, I N. That is who we become like. But there's some work now involved in that. Not the gift of salvation, but the work that's involved in that. Turn with me into Luke chapter nine. Jesus spoke this in Luke chapter nine. You can see here where Jesus says to us, that when we choose to receive this gift, so it's there's no cost for the gift. You can't pay a price for righteousness, for salvation. The price has been paid for you. But once you receive this gift now, there's a cost to your life, to what your life is. Luke chapter 9, verse 23. Then he said to them all, if anyone desires to come after me, there's a warning now. He says, if anywhere you see, if in the Bible, you should put next to that, maybe circle it an asterisk, maybe a little star, which will tell you that there's action from you required. If, if it means you could, or you, you, or you can, or you can't, you will, or you won't one of the two, meaning you're going to, or you won't, there's an action required. Jesus said, if anyone desires to come after me, to follow me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me for whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what profit is it a man if he gains the whole world and he himself is destroyed or lost for whoever is ashamed of me and my words of him 
this, uh, the, in my words, of him, the son of man will be ashamed when he comes in his own glory and his father's and of the holy angels. But I tell you truly, there are some standing here who shall not taste death they, uh, till they see the kingdom of God. And so the beautiful thing about what we're seeing here is that Jesus has freely given a gift of salvation, made you, made you right. He made, he, he completely made you right and says, now let those that choose this gift that accept or receive this gift. Now let them take up their cross. What does that mean? Tear, carry the burden of their very prophetic from Jesus here, let them take up their cross and follow me. He hadn't been crucified yet. And he's saying, yet you take up your cross. You take up the thing that could bring you to the point of complete, uh, your complete demise. You take up all the burdens and the things of life. You take those upon your back or, or uh, he's saying, take up your responsibilities of life is what he's saying. Take up your responsibilities. You take that up and you follow me. And you, in other words, you carry that and follow me as your new pursuit of life. That's the cost that we have to pay. Not the cost that Jesus paid to make you right. You can't do enough to make you right. So your cost of discipleship is not making you right. It is a commitment to stay and keep the gift that he gave to you. That's what he said. If you will follow me, if you choose to follow me, there's a gift that you have to, uh, or, or there's a, a cost that you have to pay to receive that gift. Once, or once you've received that gift, there now comes a cost. It's like a maintenance cost. It's like, uh, you know, you, you, someone gives you a car. Nobody thinks about this kind of stuff. Somebody gives you a house. Somebody gives you a car. There's responsibility after that gift has been given to you. There's responsibilities taken. My, my, a good friend of mine, uh, he, he just purchased a, a beautiful truck, brand new showroom floor, probably drove it out of there as the wheels squeaked on the tile as they pulled the, the vehicle out of the, out of the showroom. But it, it, let's say he purchased that vehicle and, it, and, and purchased it free and clear or whatever the case is. Well, that you, once you sit in that driver's seat and you take that beautiful vehicle off the showroom floor and you begin to drive it, the second it hits that pavement, there's, it begins to wear, it begins to tear, not the gift, not the vehicle, but the moving parts, the things that go into it, the vehicle is the same vehicle, but there's work that has to be done to that's required of you after you've give, you've received, or you've bought that vehicle. There's work to be done. You can't do anything to make salvation any better. You can't do anything to make righteousness any better. Jesus is the only one that could give that gift and make it available to you. But there's a cost of your life now that is required of you to live with Jesus, to have Jesus. And that's what Jesus said. That's not my own opinion. That's what Jesus said to us. So number three, there is a cost to discipleship. After the gift is given, there's a cost or a bounty on your life. Once that gift is received, once you receive that gift of salvation, number four, it's not an unreasonable gift. Number four, it's not an unreasonable gift. Go to Romans 12 with me. Romans chapter 12. It's not nothing that Jesus, let me say it like this. It's nothing that's overwhelming, right? It costs everything, but it's nothing that's, you know, crazy over expected of you. Go to Romans 12 and one. Paul says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, 
And he's basically saying, I'm begging of you, or I challenge you by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. How do you have a, how do you have a living sacrifice? Living sacrifice means you're giving of yourself in ways that aren't comfortable, that can take work, that take effort, but it's a reasonable, listen, he says, present your body as a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. This is the reasonable service. It should be easy for you to put your own agenda off to receive and be a part, not just receive, and I don't mean receive, uh, it should be easy for you to put down your own agenda to take up Jesus's agenda to follow him. It should be easy for you. He say it's your reasonable service. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good and acceptable will of God. So he's saying, once you've received this gift, what God is asking of you now is that you don't be transformed into the world that's around you. You don't get transformed into what this world has because they didn't give you the free gift. This world did not provide for you a gift. Jesus provided the gift. So your reasonable or basic service to God is a is reasonable for you to be a living, live life, live your life full and complete, but live it as a sacrifice to God. Abandon your agenda and put God's agenda first in your life. It's hard to say that sometimes because most of the time our life is about our agenda and our things. What is going to better me? What's my things? What's important to me? When the reality is God is saying to you, I have the best and what's really good for you because my mercies are new every day. I'm beseeching you. Paul's saying to you, I beseech you. I challenge you. I beg you. Give your life over. Don't just receive the gift of salvation. Now give your life to Christ as the reasonable service is to you. So number four, this is reasonable. It's nothing overwhelming. It's nothing complicated. It's reasonable. It's what's minimal accepted of you is that your mind be transformed by this word. Well, it seems like a brainwashing, Dylan, to have the word change the way you think. Now you're getting it. It is a transforming of your brain, of your mind, of your ideas, of your missions, of your goals, of your dreams. It is a changing of your mind by this word, not by some weird doctrine, by the Bible, if you transform your mind by the Bible. Number five, the Bible says in Philippians chapter two and 12, to work out your salvation. The Bible says, uh, Paul's writing to the church of Philippi. He says to work out for time's sake, I'm just quoting it to you. Philippians two and 12, this is number five. Philippians two and 12 is to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Let's go ahead and turn there. Uh, We've got the time to do it. Philippians chapter five, uh, chapter I believe it's two Philippians chapter two, verse 12 says, therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling for it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. So you can't earn salvation. 
you can't earn righteousness, Jesus could do that for you only. He's given, we established this by the word, in the mouth of two or three witnesses, we established the free gift of salvation is given to you. The free gift of righteousness is given to you. But Paul said, work out, put effort in, um, um, put together your salvation by fear and trembling. What does that mean? Being, here's how I think of fear. When the Bible quotes this word fear, it means to pay high levels of attention, almost in the term of respect or honor. That word fear can interchangeably be used in fear and trembling with high honor, high regard, high respect to the gift that was given to you. Work that out. Give attention to it. Pay close attention to details of the salvation that was given to you so that as to not lose that gift that was given to you. It takes some work on your part. Take some work on your on your behalf. And finally, number six, you're now incentivized by Christ to become a follower. You're incentivized by him. Turn to chapter, uh, chapter 10 of Mark. Chapter 10 of Mark. Hasn't this been wonderful? Six points at 6 a.m. to start your day. Quick, easy. We're here. We're cruising into the finish line at 6.30. I hope this blesses you every morning. Be sure, like I said, to subscribe on the YouTube channel. Follow me on Facebook or Instagram. And, I'll, and subscribe to these emails. I'm working hard on getting these emails to be encouraging on a daily basis. But then I'm going to be giving weekly recaps. And then Fridays... I'm going to begin talking about some things that are going on in the world and within the news. So you're going to want to tune in for that. And I'll give some updates in the newsletters that go out in the email. But Mark chapter 10, very quickly, verse 29. So, so Jesus answered, answered and said to them, Assuredly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house, brothers, sisters, father or mother, wife or children or land for my sake and the gospel's who shall not receive a hundredfold now in this time, houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, lands, with persecution, and in the age to come eternal life. But many who are first will be last in the last verse. Listen to this last verse in chapter thir- in verse 30 of Mark 10. Verse 30, the last part of it says, and in the age to come eternal life. Uh, well, but hold on, it says uh, before that, Beginning of verse 30, who shall not receive a hundredfold now in this time? So he's not saying that there's a gift given to you and it requires a cost to you that I won't reward you for. He's saying, not only am I going to give you the free gift of salvation, not only am I going to give you the free gift of righteousness, make you right before God, and there's going to become a cost to you. And once you give that cost, I'm rewarding you now in this time, not in the world to come, now in this time, a hundredfold for the work that you did, for the effort that you did to give your life up, anything that you gave up, I'll reward and return it to you now in this time. Don't believe me, write this down. Point number six is God incentivizes you. Jesus incentivizes you to pay the price for the life to live after salvation is given to you. Man, that's worth writing down. Jesus incentivizes you to pay the price for the life that's required of you after you've received the gift of salvation. I'm all about people receiving the gift of salvation, but as a, uh, as a believer, as a church attender and a believer in having a good pastor, it is a life that's required of you after salvation is given to you. 
I hope this helped you this morning. This is Six Points at 6 a.m. on Get Up With God.